Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Monday, February 6, 2023. And as promised, uh, having concluded Genesis, now we begin the book of Exodus. And we're going to be in Exodus, well, it's appropriate for us to be in Exodus during uh, Tide and into Lent. So I'm trying to find my my guide here. Where did I put that? Oh, no. That's probably here in a pile somewhere. Sorry about that. Uh, so uh, we're going to be in, uh, until we get to Passion Tide, I think, when we'll look at the uh, Holy Week readings, and then we'll finish out Exodus after that. All right. So uh, getting uh, having Exodus during Lent and Exodus right at the beginning of Easter is really, uh, well, it ties in very well, because, of course, Christ's death and resurrection is our exodus from sin, death, and devil. Um, So there you are. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Our, that is not our memory verse for this week. It is Psalm 51, verse 17. It is the verse, but it's the wrong citation. All right, there we go. Let's say our verse for the week. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, verse 17. All right, and our psalm this week is the very beginning of Psalm 18. Uh, you might go and look at Psalm 18 on your own um, later. And you'll see that there's some themes that are echoed from last week's psalm, Psalm 77, um, but also it, the psalm narratively takes you all the way um, from Exodus into the Promised Land and the conquering of Canaan by Joshua. So go check out Psalm 18, the whole of it, later. But we'll do the first six verses here, which was part of our intro at yesterday. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him, reached his ears. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, and then our catechism this week is the Office of the Keys, so, uh, part of the part on confession and absolution, right? What is the Office of the Keys? The Office of the Keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? 
This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. All right. So, um, I'll greet those of you in the chat before we do our readings. Vicky's on YouTube. Uh, Mom's there on Facebook. Michael's on YouTube. Gus and Eileen are on Facebook. Chris is on Facebook. Karen's on Facebook. Uh, it's good to have you with us. Chris says, thank you for explaining all the tides. <laughs> There's many tides. Um, you know, you think high tide, low tide. No, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, and I'm trying to remember where they break up. Um, there's, it depends on your, um, there's, there's obviously Gazima tide, which I mentioned. Um, there's Christmas tide, right? You've heard that before. Then, well, let's see, there's Lawrence tide. <laughs> the, the summer has, has its splits as well. And I'm trying to remember, I think it's Holy Cross day and St. Lawrence day are the two breaks. Oh, and, um, and I think St. Michael as well. Anyway, there's, it, it's helpful to take the, what, especially in the long summer season, and to break that up into specific chunks. And there's a way to actually um, understand those tides. Now I'm remembering where, I, where I, I heard about this. Let me see if I can find it here on my computer. Um, yeah, now I remember who wrote it, but will it find it? No, it's not finding it. Of course not. Of course, this is really straining my computer, of course. As you can see, I probably get a little glitchy here. Tide and Yudish. Dr. Yudish was the guy who did it. Yes, here we go. So his notes on Advent. Uh, oh, it's Whitsuntide. That's holy. That's the season of, of Pentecost. Well, I've got the notes, but I don't know. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Sorry for this. I had hoped I had this all set apart. He has, uh, this was a professor who had a series of uh, ways to break down the whole church year and to preach throughout the church year based off of those seasons, but uh, I'm not finding it quickly. All right, we'll I'll leave it at that then. So our first reading is from John chapter 8, continuing where we left off last week. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do not, or you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, but Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you 
do not believe me. Whew. Now, this is one of the more intense indictments um, against the uh, Pharisaical class, those who sought to kill Jesus. Uh, obviously, there are some Pharisees that uh, convert in, into faith and, and trust in Jesus, Joseph and uh, Nicodemus, of course. But um, the majority of them want to kill him. And the reason is because they don't have the faith of Abraham. So to do the works of Abraham is to trust in the promise, the promised Messiah, that he would make out of Abraham's offspring um, the promise of the, of, of, the, of the Savior, and of course many nations who are in Christ, right? Um, and so, because they want to kill him, who is, of course, the promised seed to Abraham, they are no longer sons of Abraham. Maybe by blood they are, but by faith they are not. Right? And uh, it seems like they think his accusation is that they are born of the slave woman, Hagar. Uh, and in a sense, that's true too, right? But then they say in verse 41, uh, we have one father, God. Well, that's not even true of Jesus. <laughs> well, it is, um, but he has an earthly father, right? He has Joseph, right? Um, so they're claiming actually to be Christ in, in his place, right? To be of God alone and not of, of their father, Abraham, right? So all sorts of um, intense this is, what do we want to call this? This is a rabbinical dialogue. And it's a style that we don't really probably understand or fully um, appreciate as Westerners. But uh, this is this is actually, this is very much like catechesis um, with the more precocious of our children, um, which is quite lovely, right? I mean, they ask all sorts of questions and they, they come, by asking questions, they come to the answers often um, in that dialogue. All right. But it is true. Um, deny the faith of Abraham, you're denying um, your lineage of Abraham. Have the faith of Abraham, and now you're a part of his lineage. Um, and of Joseph, of Jacob, of course, of Isaac and Jacob. Meaning you are the true Israel, because you have the faith of Israel. All right. Exodus 1 is our catechesis, and 2, beginning of chapter 2. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were seventy persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look! The people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go out of the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. They And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar, brick, and all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Puah. And he said to them, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him, and if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, 
for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall, uh, you shall cast in the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked alongside the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. All right. So like, um, maybe like the story of the flood or the creation, a very familiar story to you. Probably learned it, uh, you know, in a storybook Bible or in uh, Sunday school or something like that. Right. Um, and of course, it's, it's significant, even in popular culture. It's probably the most significant story as far as um, how... Um, Israel understands themselves even to this day, and rightly so, um, because it stands at the heart of the um, the ex of the excuse me of the Torah. All right, um, so we have a key phrase here that we've heard a lot in Genesis, and now it, we hear it right away at the beginning of Exodus again. So there's a way that Exodus takes us back to the beginning, to new birth and new life, right? And the phrase is right here in verse seven. But the children of Israel were fruitful and multiplied, or increased abundantly, right? a blessing from God. God blessed them in the way that he blessed creation, that he, um, the promise that he had made to Abraham, which we talked about here a few minutes ago, and even what Jacob had told Joseph, that God would make them fruitful and multiply, right? Of course, uh, fruitful labor and, um, and the bearing of children are both gifts from God, right? So they are given by God when and where he wills, much like faith, and we have to remember that. Um, sometimes we think that being fruitful is something we must do, and that we must multiply greatly or not, as the case may be, um, neither is exactly right. That's taking God's word of blessing, of promise, of gift, um, and turning it into a law, all right? Something that we must do. No, God gives life when and where he wills. God is the one who makes us fruitful, gives us fruitful labor. All right. Uh, Of course, now we learn about the new king of Egypt. The kings of Egypt are called Pharaoh. It's kind of used interchangeably here in Exodus, right? And that he did not know Joseph, namely, the way that the previous Pharaoh had um, shown deference to Joseph and his family for the sake of the uh, the revelation of the dream, right? And the way that God had preserved actually Egypt uh, from famine as well, right? Uh, but he had forgotten that. Pro- maybe even a new dynasty, I don't know. I know that people have done work to try to figure out which dynasty, third and fourth, um, this is, but regardless. The king is worried, um, and as any king would be, about the number of Israel, right? They are more and mightier than we. They're too numerous, right? Now they are a threat to his power. Um, as we've learned here 
even in our own country. Um, there's nothing worse than those in, in authority or in power. Um, there's nothing worse for them than um, the, multi- the, the, <laughs> the multitudes realizing that they are more and um, mightier, actually, than those in authority. Right? It turns out that they're, uh, you know, they, they don't want uh, the people, in this case, Pharaoh does not want the people of Israel to realize um, who they are. Um, because that would be a great threat to him. So, um, this king puts past masters over them to afflict them with forced labor. And he actually says why. Let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. So he thinks by giving them more work, they're going to be less fruitful and obviously bear less, fewer children. But we see, as is true throughout the whole Bible, an essential confession is God works, as we said yesterday in Bible study, sub contrario, under the opposite. So, even though Pharaoh afflicts them with greater work, they don't bear more, they actually, they actually are more fruitful and they, and they multiplied the more they were afflicted. Um, it reminds me of a, a, a TED talk from, uh, from a billionaire, quote unquote, philanthropist, Bill Gates, um, where he was talking about um, how to reduce the population of Africa. Um, he said it was actually by giving them uh, healthcare um, and, and solving malnutrition and malaria um, if we can actually uh, make their lives more comfortable, they'll bear less children. And he's absolutely, he was absolutely right, right? He maybe he learned it from this story, right? The more comfortable, the easier their life, the less, um, uh, the less that they will uh, care for their family or care to receive a family, which is interesting, right? The way that God gives life in the midst of affliction. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, we'll see the same thing happen in the New Testament after Pentecost in the book of Acts. So as the church is persecuted you know, by Romans or others, by Jews, the, it causes actually the, the growth and the spread of the gospel, first uh, to Jerusalem, but then outside of Jerusalem and to Judea and to the ends of the, of the earth, right? Four corners. So as the church is persecuted, so she grows, right? God brings faith in the midst of affliction and suffering and difficulty, right? Okay. Uh, where were the, he- or excuse me, who were the Hebrew midwives? We meet them by name, Shifra and Pua, right? A midwife, of course, being a woman who assists um, other women in giving birth and childbirth. Right? It's always good to have some handy, you know, you might be able to do it alone, but uh, no, it's good to have someone there. Uh, I've served as a midwife myself <laughs> with my one child. One child, thank goodness, only one, right? That's quite an experience. Um, I can see how you know, it would be kind of thrilling, um, but also, you know, it's hard, it's hard labor, right? Sometimes. Not just for the woman giving birth, but the one who's assisting. But there you go. That's what their job is. So um, the king gives them a command. All right. So now we learn the nature of authority here a little bit too. If the Israelite woman delivers a boy, kill him. If delivers a girl, um, let let her live. Right. Yeah. Only two midwives mentioned, so they must be quite busy. Well, these are the two he talks to. Uh, maybe they're like maybe there's a guild of a sort, right? And so that these were the 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 representatives of the guild of midwives. That's what I would expect. All right. Um, they disobey the king. Again, civil disobedience um, is not foreign to, to the Christian confession. Um, there is a time and a place. And here it is to do what God has expressly forbidden, right? Um, not even having been expressed by Moses at this point, we haven't come to Sinai and to giving of the law, but they know, you know, from, say, I don't know, even the story of Cain and Abel right at the beginning, right? Uh, Thou shalt not murder, right? So, it cannot go against nature, against nature's God, and, and to do so 
um, it would actually be to dishonor Pharaoh. All right. So we don't have unconditional, um, unconditional obedience to civil rulers, only um, insofar as they do not go against um, God's word, either God's word expressed in Holy Scriptures or in the book of nature, we would even say. All right. So um, they feared God, right? They believed that, and, and I think most importantly here, um, the children had all sorts of ideas. Why? Why the male children and not the female? Well, of course, they're the fighting men. Good. Um, they also suggested, I think this might have been for my catechesis, that um, the, the Hebrew um, girls then would marry Egyptian boys, and the children being born would be Egyptian sons. So it would be a way to assimilate um, the Hebrews into Egypt. That's probably likely as well. We see that with Joseph, right? Where he married an Egyptian woman. But his sons become Hebrews, right? So that's the inverse. Uh, then uh, someone suggested that um, that the boys become kings. So that would be a threat to the king. Of course, they were thinking of another story. All right, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, this is an attack on the promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the male offspring, the seed, that would be the blessing of all the nations of the earth. Right. So I don't know if Pharaoh knew that word, but he is acting in the stead and by the command of his Lord, not Jesus Christ, but but Satan, the one who is seeking to um, to destroy the promised offspring, to defeat the promise of Genesis 3.15. All right. Um, and because they feared God, God also blessed these women, right? Yeah. Right. God gives blessings um, to those of faith, right? He gives blessings to all, but but he has a particular blessing for them, right? Gives them a house, gives them households, and uh, and dwell well with them. Yeah, verse twenty-one. All right. So then, third command, third attack from Pharaoh is to give permission to all of his people, that is, to the Egyptians, uh, that if they find a baby Hebrew boy, to throw him into the Nile, but leave the daughters alive. All right. So um, Hebrew boys being attacked because they are um, the likely one of them is likely of the lineage um, of the Messiah King. This is the story of the death of the Holy Innocents, right? Uh, recorded in Matthew, uh, where where the tyrant King Herod um, seeks the death of all those baby boys around Bethlehem, right? Um, and there, ironically, or maybe not, Jesus uh, flees actually to Egypt to be kept alive, like Josh, or like Joseph did uh, for his family, for the brothers, for his father Jacob and and his brothers. All right, so they're kept alive for a time. And then Jesus will return in Exodus all the way to the cross. Hmm. All right, so the birth of birth of Moses, right? We have uh, his parents belonging to the tribe of Levi. And then how long did his mother hide him? Three months. Three months, right? Trying to protect him and protect her child with, a, uh, with an ark. Huh, funny that. Same word for ark is the word for basket. So here it's translated ark. I like it. Um, with pitch and tar laid in the reeds in the bank of the Nile. So we have water, we have a boat, you know, being coated. Yeah, okay. You see the parallels. And who watches? Moses' sister, right? Who saw the basket? We got Pharaoh's daughter. And she recognized immediately that he's a Hebrew child. Oh, how did he do that? Or how did she do that? This is one of the Hebrew's children. He's three months old, meaning what happens on the eighth day for Hebrew children? Circumcised. So, of course, this is a Hebrew child. She would know. Um, who came to Pharaoh's daughter and what did she ask? That's Moses' sister, right? Would you like a Hebrew woman to nurse the child? Nice idea, right? 
It happened to be his mother. He got paid for it too. Nice. What happened when the child grew older? Uh, Pharaoh's daughter took her and made him her own son by adoption. And then uh, calls his name Moses, which means he's drawn out of water. It sounds like us, right? Drawn out of the water of baptism to be saved from death and sin. Chris asks, didn't God say the female was made for a helper to the male? So female is not to be above the male, right? Um, yes, that's the ordering of the household. I know that can come off in today's uh, parlance as being misogynistic, right? Or patriarchal. We talked about that in Bible study yesterday. Um, it isn't that before God, male and female um, are of greater or lesser value. So before God, they are not. And even before man, but they are of different value. They're, uh, I think the, the, the right or appropriate Christian confession is that male and female um, are equal before God, um, but distinct in difference with, um, we're not egalitarians, you know, anything a male can do, a female can do as well, something like that, but each with distinct gifts um, as God has created them. But complementarian is kind of the, um, is the right expression, complementarian, right? So how does male, and how do, how do the males and the female, um, especially in marriage, right, male and female, husband and wife, how do they complement each other, All right? Um, and I don't think it's a matter of greater or lesser authority. It's that they have different authority, right? So the male has different authority. We talked about this in Bible class yesterday. So um, go watch or listen, um, probably the last 20 or 30 minutes, probably the last 20 minutes or so, because of uh, the distinction between the male prophets and the female prophets. And then we also talked about um, uh, women who I would suggest uh, serve as pastors outside of God's institution, right? Against God's word. Let me talk about that a little bit yesterday. And also the role of preaching and the role of communicating God's word um, by women, right? What have, what have women been given to do? Uh, you know, if they're not given to be those preachers in the public assembly, then what have they been given? Let me talk about that. So yesterday's Bible class, Ezekiel 13 is the uh, text you want to look for. All right. In the face of open hostility, God is always faithful to his word. He multiplied his people when Pharaoh was trying to destroy them. The same thing happened in the days of the apostles as the persecutions could not destroy the young church and the word of the Lord continued to grow. Pharaoh's attempt to kill the Israelite baby boys was really an attack on the promise of a savior. Herod did the same thing when he attacked the boys of Bethlehem, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thus, God the Father faithfully kept his word and brought his son out of the midst of death until the day appointed for, the, for his crucifixion to pay the price of our salvation. Moses too was spared that he might become the deliverer of God's people. Like Moses, we have been drawn out of the water of baptism to be saved from the death of sin. All right. I know we've omitted hallelujahs uh, in our divine service on, on Sunday and Wednesday, uh, but outside, hey, we can sing hallelujahs here. I think that's okay. So we're going to sing uh, Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor. We'll sing a little bit of this this morning to introduce it. Heavenly splendor, first begot 
We're going a little bit long, so uh, for my sake, got an appointment. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Let us pray. Our collect for the week. O Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people, that we who justly suffer the consequence of our sin may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving with uh, Kevin and Alexandra, who celebrated their birthday yesterday. We pray with Blake, who celebrates his baptism today. Pray for the households of our congregation, especially this week with Jessica, Alicia, Gary and Julie, Mariah and Len. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering. Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Naomi, Christopher, Dan, and Brad, Ron, Betty, Joan, Cheryl, Pat, Merlin, Heidi, Dick, and Karen. Pray for our homebound, Ed, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan Lutheran High School. Pray in intercession for our relatives and benefactors. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. As I said, I've uh, got to take off here for an appointment. So um, I'll leave you with that. God be with you. Keep you safe. Got questions? Um, regards to the text, what we've been studying, you can you can send those to me. You'll see all the links down below uh, if you're on the social media platforms. Those of you watching or listening later in the day, greetings to you as well. And I hope to see you again tomorrow. So God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.